0: Would you turn with me in your Bibles to the book of 2 Corinthians? I have a message today that I wanna share with you and a slide that goes on the screen for our title of our new series called Overwhelmed. It's in the Today playlist. And um, you will, uh, I think you'll benefit from this message series. It'll be a short message series Uh, that just takes us a few weeks to get through. But it's really important, I think, in our day and in our time and in our life, in our season, that we remind ourselves of what exactly God's will is for us, that we hear what he wants us to hear. I've gone through uh, some seasons in my life where I didn't learn the lesson that God wanted me to learn in that season. Is that anybody else know what that's like? You learned after the fact, and you're like, oh, wait a second, if I had just you know, fill in the blank. Oh, God was trying to show me something. And so I want to talk to you a little bit about being overwhelmed and what that really means uh, for us as a church and what it means for you for the season of life that you find yourself in. There are a couple different things that I want to share with you today, but before I do, I want to say happy Valentine's Day to all of you who are here because you could have had breakfast served to you in bed, but you chose to come worship the Lord with us. So I'm really thankful that you're here. And I didn't have breakfast. I'm kind of hungry. So that means I'll preach really fast today. Um, There are two types of people in the room today. uh, And that is those who are currently overwhelmed or those who will be overwhelmed. Overwhelmed. I really believe uh, that there's good news in the midst of that bad news, uh, that there's good news that God is with us. How many of you have seen the recent thing in the last year or so, a t-shirt, mugs, all kinds of stuff. It's got um, some origin in, I think, Great Britain, where it says keep calm and fill in the blank, whatever it is. So I would say this morning that the the series of going into overwhelmed is something where we need to make sure to remind ourselves to keep calm and let God have his way in our life, in whatever season that we find ourselves in. So if you're not currently facing an overwhelming circumstance, I want you to listen closely because God wants to give you the tools to equip you to walk through the overwhelming circumstance when it comes. It may come tomorrow, it may come next year, you may have already gone through some really tough seasons in your life, and you think, you know what, i I'm okay, I don't need to see another overwhelming circumstance. But the truth of the matter is, is in our life, we will face obstacles, we will face hurdles, and we need to be prepared for those things when they come. So my hope is that in the series, we go from uh, the understanding of being overwhelmed or overwhelming to overcoming to the place where we can get through it. I, uh, someone was talking about someone else in a good way, in a positive light the other day, and called this individual the most unassuming conqueror that they've ever met. And you, you have to know who we're talking about, but it was just, it was an incredible phrase to really just help me understand, yes, that is exactly this person in their DNA and their character. They're unassuming, but man, do they get stuff done. They overcome obstacles. They don't let anything stop them. That kind of person, we can all be. Or we can choose to be the other person, which is pity poor me, um, Eeyore, you know, with the cloud following us everywhere, that kind of thing. The thing is, and I'll give you the end of the story before I give you the beginning of the story, the thing is when we're overwhelmed in our life, our overwhelming circumstances, they cannot be changed immediately. So, Today, if you came in expecting to hear a 25-minute message and walk out and undo 25 years worth of trouble that you've had, it doesn't really work like that. If you were struggling to, if you, you have debt when you walk out of here, the bills are still laying on the kitchen counter. Uh, if, you, if you're having trouble at your job, that still exists for you Monday unless you're a government worker and you're off on Monday. No, uh, they, uh, it still exists for you though. If you If you have challenges in your marriage, today just simply hearing me preach a message briefly about what it looks like being overwhelmed and about our perspective can't change your circumstance. But I believe with all of my heart that God can change you and your circumstance. Because I've seen him do it in my own life. I have a testimony, I have many testimonies that I could share today that I, I could say without a doubt, God did something in me And he also did something about my circumstance. And I think that's really the the significance of War Room. I hope that you're all here to come see that movie. That is the thing as well with prayer. Prayer doesn't always, God isn't a genie in a bottle for us to just pray a prayer and make him change something that we want. God, I want a million dollars. That's not gonna happen. But God does wanna change me in the midst of my circumstance that I face. So whether it's a career challenge, whether it's a job loss, Whether it's a major life decision, it might be that there's a baby on the way. Kelly Robinson had a happy, healthy baby boy uh, this past week. The Robinson family's not with us today. I, one of their little ones is because she said, I want to come to church. Um, so we're, we're glad that she's here. But uh, their family, they are happy and, and healthy. And little Asher, he's, he's not so little. He's a big boy. <laughs> he's a big boy. But you know, maybe it's a baby that's on the way. Maybe it's marriage uh, challenges. Maybe it's the fact that you want to get into a marriage. <laughs> maybe maybe it's the issue of, you know, a potential divorce. Maybe it's a diagnosis from a doctor. Maybe it's something where you are taking care of someone who's a, a relative of yours. Maybe you have money issues. Maybe it's one of those things. Maybe it's that you struggle this morning with depression. Maybe you say, in this moment, it seems like everybody had so much joy a few minutes ago shouting and singing that song, but I just don't feel that. I I feel down and out. I feel down on my luck, or I feel like God doesn't love me, that he's not taking care of me, that he doesn't care about what I'm going through. Maybe that's you, and if it's not you, you may face that feeling at some point, and it may be sooner than you think. But with 100% certainty, every one of us will face overwhelming circumstances at some point in our life. With us having faced overwhelming circumstances and or going to continue to face them, we have to have the right perspective going into them. Being overwhelmingly positive doesn't necessarily mean that the stuff goes away. The rocks can crumble in front of the opening of that mind. The earthquake can happen. The tsunami, the, the Hurricane Katrina, all of these issues can happen. And just because we have a smile on our face doesn't mean that those things just go away or that they change. It matters, though, how we process the circumstance that we face. And you might know this, but I think with us being all people who have either been overwhelmed or going to be overwhelmed, there's two types of people that you don't want in those situations. The first person is the person who tells you that your situation is no big deal. It's not really that big of a deal. So what? You're broke. At some point, you'll get a job. Everything's great. You know, it's that no problem. You don't need that person in your life. I don't know. Is that just me or is that you? Yeah, you don't need that person, right? In the midst of your hard circumstance. You also don't need someone to relate their circumstance to yours, tell you their story, and then you wish you could just volunteer to be a speed bump on a highway because you're like, this is horrible. You didn't lift my spirit. You didn't help me. You didn't offer to pray with me. This is absolutely... Absolutely not what I need. Those are the kind of people that we don't need, but what we do need are the people who are in the body of Christ. We need those who are in this room and who are part of Celebrate Church. We need those who have faith in the same God that we have to be able to lock arms with us when we walk through a hard circumstance, when we walk through a hard moment. That's why I really believe, and I think this proves true if you look in the Bible, that God's desire for every human is that they be part of of the family of God. He he wants that for us because we're not to do life alone. You can look at Genesis 1 and he tells us, let's not do life alone. You guys don't need to do that. And all the way through to Revelation, we're even understanding in scripture that God calls the church the bride or the wife of Christ Jesus. So we understand that relationship is important. And so this is what we need. We need the people who, who are sitting next to us in this room. We need those who might be missing today, but who are called celebrate church because we need to walk the road together. I really believe that that's an important thing. If you're in 2 Corinthians, look at chapter 4. I want to look there for a few minutes this morning. The heading in the Bible for some of your versions may say this, cast down but unconquered. I love that. I believe that's a word for us as a church, not just in the season that we're in, but in the season that you find yourself in as a believer, your individual life. In chapter four, verse one, it says this, the apostle Paul speaking in 2 Corinthians, therefore, since we have this ministry, as we have received mercy, we do not lose heart. How many of you could say, just in a moment of honesty, that you've ever lost heart? right? Most of us, if not all of us in this room, we've lost heart. We had our hope set on something. It didn't turn out the way we wanted to. We were heading in a direction and it got changed, whether it's our fault or God's fault or whoever's fault, whatever it might be, we've lost heart. Here the apostle Paul is saying that he has this ministry that's been given to him, not just him, but he's talking about Timothy and Titus who are with him. And he says, we've received mercy and because of that, we do not lose heart. Because God loved me enough to extend mercy to me, I am not going to lose heart because I know and I'm reminded in moments like the powerful moment we experienced a few minutes ago, I know that he's strong. It may feel like he's not, but I know he's strong. I may feel like he's not listening, but I know better because of my life experience, because of the testimony of scripture, because of the family of faith that I walk with. I know that he hears me when I pray and I know that his answer is not always yes, his answer may be no. His answer may be maybe. Maybe, maybe. We had a friend in New Jersey at a church, and he said something that startled people in the midst of a, a talk on prayer. He said, God has answered every prayer I've ever prayed. Everybody's like, what, what, what kind of relationship do you have with God? How do, how do I get that? And his answer was, God has answered every prayer I've ever prayed. He may have said yes, he may have said no, he may have said maybe, but he has answered every prayer I've ever prayed. When you have a perspective like that, it helps you walk into the next overwhelming circumstance with better faith, with better vision, with better passion for seeing God to do something in your life. So not losing heart is a matter of perspective. Your bank account may not be as full as you want it to be. Your marriage may not be what you wish it were. Your job may be filled with difficulty. You may think you want to trade in your own kids for better models. No, just kidding. You may have something that you're facing that's like that, but it's a matter of perspective. Jump down to verse 7 of the same chapter in chapter 4. Paul says, but we have this treasure in earthen vessels that the excellence of the power may be of God and not of us. That the excellence of the power may be of God and not of us. Jesus in his ministry, he heals some people and some of his disciples as they're walking with him, they have these questions. God, who sinned? What caused this guy to be blind? How did this happen to this person? What is it? that caused him to be like this. Obviously, it's because God hates the sin that he committed and made him be blind. And Jesus says, no, you've got it all twisted. It's because I'm here and I'm about to demonstrate the glory of God, the power of God. So when we're going through a hard circumstance, goodness knows I am preaching a message I needed to hear a few years ago. When we're going through a hard circumstance, we have got to have the understanding that God is not out to get us. Is there, are there things that he wants to draw your attention to? Yes. I cannot say that for those who may have done certain things that the circumstance of their life isn't, maybe part of their own fault. But I believe that God in his mercy and in his grace leads us to that place because he wants to demonstrate his power. He doesn't want you to get angry and to get bitter at him. And that is the potential in all of our hearts to be able to go and face this unsurmountable, insurmountable thing. And we say, God, why don't you care? Why do you hate me? Why do you? Because while we're asking those things, God is trying to show us what he's trying to show us, but we're blinded by our circumstance. This all comes down to maturity. I talked to someone recently and said, you know what, age or time doesn't mean or doesn't equate like proportionally to maturity just because I've met some older folks who are immature in their behavior and I've met some younger folks who were super mature and you thought, man, they could run a business at the age of 18. I mean, they've got it together. So age or time doesn't mean that it equals maturity but this is what this is about. Us being mature believers, the Apostle Paul encourages the church and he says, I want you to stop drinking the milk. It's time for you to pick up the fork and start digging in. It's time for you to act like a grown-up and stop being a baby. I'm not saying that to you today, but if the Holy Spirit would use that, I want you to understand it's about maturity. The person who is mature is the person who can see their circumstance for what it is and still trust God. That's, that's where it lies. So I can say a few years ago, and even now, we all have measures of immaturity. We may not like boast about it and walk around and say, I'm immature in this area or I'm not fully developed. But that's the truth because we're not perfect. Is anybody in here perfect? No. I heard Pastor Robert Morris say this recently, which really impacted me. He said, he's talking from a place in Hebrews and he he says that God has not made us able to be perfect in our performance. We're not there yet. We still mess up. We still fail. But he has made us perfect in our position because I'm a son of God. You're a daughter of God. Because of you being part of the royal family of God, in that, you have been made perfect in his eyes. So that helps me when I say goodness, I must have really messed things up. God must really be against me. Here's the thought that I should have, is God, what are you trying to show me about me, about others, about whatever it is, the circumstance I'm going through? Some of the hardest circumstances in our lives can be used as teachable things, not just for us, but then for others. I've seen some people who have risen to incredible heights out of the pit of despair and been able to use that testimony for what they experienced to be able to benefit others. For someone who was a rape victim to then be able to minister to those who have had the same experience. Someone who has experienced divorce as a child who then grows up to have a ministry on healthy marriages. Someone who, and you just go through all of those sorts of ideas in your head about what hard circumstance could benefit you. Later on down the road, if you have the right perspective. So I feel like Paul is right on target. I mean, God wouldn't let it be in the word of God if it wasn't. He says, it's for the excellence of the power that it would be of God and not of us. So that no one could go and pat me on the back and say, yep, you did it. You made it through. I'm so proud of you. But I could, in my weakness, say, God, your power is what got me through this. It's your strength that got me through this. It's nothing of myself because it's not what I bring to the table. Whatever I bring to the table, whatever you bring to the table is not good enough. Smile. <laughs> it's just not. In comparison to who God is and what he desires for our life, in fact, what he demands for our life, nothing that we can bring to him will suffice. Nothing will pay the bill. Only what he has done for us is what we can live off of, what we can depend on. Verse 8 of that same chapter in 2 Corinthians 4 says this, "'We are hard-pressed on every side, yet not crushed. "'We're perplexed, but not in despair. "'We're persecuted, but not forsaken. "'We're struck down, but not destroyed.'" This is all about perspective. You hear him putting it in the correct terms. Yes, I've been pressed. Yes, I feel pressure. No, it's not the end of the world. Yes, I've had hard times, but it is not my death. I've been perplexed. I might even be confused as to what in the world God is trying to do in my life. But I'm not in despair. I may get down to a can of soup in the cupboard, but I know God's got this. It's been said before that we ought to pray like it depends on God and work like it depends on us. And I believe that our work in this is simply to have the right perspective and to give it our best shot in God's grace. That's where it is. That's what it means for us to be like Paul and to be able to say, because he really was. I'm gonna share with you in just a minute. I'm gonna have you turn to chapter 11 and I'm gonna, we're gonna list the things that Paul went through and he still was able to have this perspective. Now, I do wanna give you this precursor. He's talking about the ministry of the gospel. He's talking about the things that he's faced. He's talking about being on the right path, yet still having hard circumstances. There's a difference in being on the wrong path and having to endure the circumstance that you've created or you've chosen. But Paul is actually headed in the right direction. So then the clarifying question for me is, God, am I on the right path? Am I really doing what you want me to do? Am I living according to the calling for which you've called me? Then yes, I know I'm headed in the right direction. If you can say that, if you can analyze your your steps or your movements and say, yes, I'm doing the right thing, headed in the right direction, I'm trusting in God, then God truly does got this. Amen? He really does. Perspective. Perspective is what matters. And Paul's perspective was a great one. It's a model for us. Flip over to chapter 11. Chapter 11, it says this. I apologize, we don't have them on the screen, but we do sometimes. So come next week and we might. Chapter 11 says this in verse 23. I'm reading from the New King James Version. Now at the end of the verse of 23, he's basically, okay, just get to chapter 11 and look up for a second. So here's the deal. I'm going to give you some context of what's going on okay? There's a couple letters that have been written. There's probably four that have been written to the church in Corinth, okay? The first letter, which we have is called 1 Corinthians, is actually the second letter because he references another letter in 1 Corinthians. It says, I sent you a warning. I told you about these things. Don't be doing this stuff. Be doing this stuff. Trust in God. And so then he references that. Then we have 1 Corinthians, which made it in. Maybe the first book was, maybe the first letter was like, God was like, that's good for them, but don't put it in the Bible for everybody. Okay? So then we have that second book, their second letter, which would be 1 Corinthians. Then another one, which Paul refers to in some places as a letter of tears, which some theologians would say was a severe correction to the church, came also. And then we have 2 Corinthians. So Paul has been in in touch with the Corinthian church and now in 2 Corinthians, he's outlining his ministry. He's saying, hey, listen, in case you forgot or in case there are people there who there were trying to like dismount you and set you to the side or help you in this bad path of thinking something else, I wanna tell you, I'm an apostle whom Jesus Christ himself showed himself to. I was there, I walked with the people who knew him, I've known him, I've been called, By him. So he's laying out all of these things, and there are people in the church who are trying to dissuade others from understanding that Paul was truly what we could see or know as the greatest apostle who ever lived. So Paul, not in a boasting way, goes about telling them, Hey, listen, I want to tell you where I've come from. Verse 23, it says this in the end of 23, in labors more abundant, in stripes above measure, In prisons, more frequently, in deaths, often. From the Jews, five times I've received forty stripes minus one. Three times I was beaten with rods. Once I was stoned. Three times I was shipwrecked. A night and a day I've been in the deep. In journeys often, in perils of waters, in perils of robbers, in perils of my own countrymen, in perils of the Gentiles, in perils of the city, in perils in the wilderness, in perils in the sea, in peril, (laughs) and it just goes on and on and on. In perils among false brothers, in weariness and toil, verse 27 says, in sleeplessness often, in hunger and in thirst. This is what the TV preachers ought to be sharing, okay? Because when you sign up to be a believer, it doesn't guarantee you safe and fear-free and worry-free passage in this life. Paul faced undoubtedly more than we'll ever be able to say. Can we put ourselves maybe in one of those things? Maybe, but not in all of them. How many of us have been stoned or beaten so so many times because of the ministry that God's called him to, because of the right choice that we've made, that we faced perils by our own countrymen? He faced perils of those who were his own brothers, but they were false brothers. But you gotta understand where Paul came from. This is what's important to understand. He came from a place of being the highest Jew. He came from a great line of family. He came from the orthodox of the orthodox of the most orthodox. He was the one who was walking around and finding the believers who were in this new faith, talking about Jesus and the Messiah, and he was the one who was attending their martyrdoms. He was the one who was dragging them off to jail. He was the one... So then people who were his countrymen, who were the people who he used to hang with, all of a sudden start not wanting him to be around. In fact, they say, hey, you know what? You were at that stoning, and now we're going to stone you because you've jumped on that ship. So he's headed in the right direction. This is what I'm telling you this morning. I want you to get it. You may very well be headed in the right direction, but it doesn't mean that you won't have hardship. So why do we have hardship? We have hardship as a result of God desiring to work in us for his glory and for our good. That's why we experience hardship. I've come to realize that in a short period of time in my short, short life. There are those of you who've lived longer than I who you could testify to the same thing, that the hardships we face are not God with a hammer throwing something down at us going, ha, 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 let me see, see how Ann deals with this one. hmm yeah, I'm just gonna sit back. No, that's not his MO. That's not the way he does things. He loves us. He loves us so much that he sent his son to die on a cross to become sin for us so that he could rescue us. Now, that's not to say that he loves us to the point of making sure that all of our bank accounts and all of our health and all of our other things are all gonna be 100%. It's because we still live a natural life in this natural world that is fallen. But God desires to bring us to the place where we give him glory, So could you say this morning with me that Paul faced some overwhelming circumstances? Some things in his own life that, wow, this is tragic. This is horrible. I don't know how I'm going to get over this. A day and a night in the deep. Terrifying to me to think about. Stoned, beaten. But God, I'm doing what you told me to. So we flip back to 2 Corinthians chapter four and we see that his perspective, his perspective there is holy, it's pure, it's God-like in its, in its image because he says, I'm hard-pressed. We are, as, as a team of ministry, uh, we're hard-pressed on every side, but we're not crushed. We're perplexed, but it's not the end of the world. We're not in despair. We're persecuted, but not forsaken, struck down, but not destroyed. And I'm telling you that this morning, the same thing is true of you. I know there may be someone in the room who's dealing with a very hard circumstance and it's, uh, it's not our desire to play light with those things. With the, the death of a loved one or with the hardship at work or with challenges that we face with our children or whatever it may be, we're not here to make light of situations and I'm not here to give you an easy answer and to just say, yep, everything's gonna be okay. It seems like they say that in almost every movie at some critical point. Oh, everything's gonna work out. Oh, it's gonna be... It's not sometimes gonna work out the way that we think it's going to. But God, but God being with us can help us walk through it and help us to be overcomers as we come out of those situations. Verse 10 of chapter four says this, always carrying about in the body the dying of the Lord Jesus, that the life of Jesus also may be manifested in our body For we who live are always delivered to death for Jesus' sake, that the life of Jesus may be manifested in our mortal flesh. So he's he's unearthing a little bit more here where he says that the life of Jesus is what's going to be shown. He wants, he understands that God's power has the ability to be demonstrated in my weakness. That's what we've got to wrap our minds around when we face an overwhelming circumstance that God's power can be demonstrated and oftentimes it's demonstrated in our weakness because if we didn't have an overwhelming circumstance that we needed God for, then we wouldn't need God. Yeah, are you with me this morning? If, we, if it didn't require faith, there's no reason for us to be here right? There's no, if we could figure it out, if we could fix it, if we could say, here's the five steps to having the best marriage and walk out today and have the best marriage, then we wouldn't need the Bible. We wouldn't need the experience that God has given all of the authors of scripture to be able to combine to this one amazing manual for our lives. Everything we need, we can find in him. Everything we need, we can find in his word. So verse 15 says, for all things, Are for your sakes. Okay, no pressure, guys, but I've been shipwrecked and it's because of you. I've been this and it's because of you. He's not saying it like that. He's saying that I've endured these things and it's for your good, that grace having spread through the many may cause thanksgiving to abound to the glory of God. So there's a greater cause for your struggle. Life is not easy to determine. And the circumstances we face, whether it's a diagnosis, whether it's the passing of a loved one, whether it's a career issue or challenge, a relationship, whatever it is, life is not easy to determine the outcome. Even when you think you know the outcome, sometimes it changes. But here, Paul is saying, I want and I believe that the life of Jesus will be shown as a result of the things that I've suffered. That God's power would be demonstrated. And there is a greater cause for our struggles. It's not because God hates you. It's because he's working on you and working on others. And it's really because he loves you. He allows you to endure. Look at the story of Jonah. Just would you think about that for a second? I hope that you all understand the story, but Jonah in the big fish, Jonah resists God. Jonah finds himself swallowed up in the middle of a storm. They throw him overboard. He goes, it's a real thing. It really happened, okay? So he's in the belly of a fish for days on end. God was trying to, to demonstrate his power, and he does eventually get the point across to Jonah that Jonah needs to walk in a certain way, but there was a lesson to be learned. The same thing is true of whatever it is that we face. It's because God loved Jonah. That's what we don't get sometimes. We think God was all about those people in Nineveh. He was trying to get them saved, but he loved just the one He loved just me, just you. If we were the only ones who had need of a Savior, He would have died. He would have sent His Son to die on a cross and to be raised to life again just for you. Because He loves you that much. Verse 16 Therefore, we do not lose heart, even though our outward man is perishing. Even though we've been beaten, we've been bruised, we've been battered, we've had these things happen, yet the inward man is being renewed day by day. I was recently telling someone that I just got overwhelmed the other day with joy. If somebody came into my office, they would have thought I was having a mental break. I just I was reading scripture and something jumped out at me, and I got an email, and it was a bad email, it wasn't a good email. <laughs> Um, And I just began to think God you're on the throne. You're not worried about this. God you've got this. And immediately a sense of joy become became my possession. In that moment I felt myself in the presence of God with joy just being poured over me and I just began to laugh all by myself. I know it's weird and I put on worship music and I just began to praise God I didn't have any reason to based on what I was looking at and based on what I was feeling, but I said, I'm determined that God is gonna get his way. Amen? I'm determined that it's not gonna be me who fights for my own path. I'm gonna let God do what he wants to do. And when I did that, I had this moment of joy that I haven't had in a while. And I thought, you know what? Not really that big of a deal. I'll get through this too. I'm not gonna die tomorrow. God's got a plan, So the perspective shifting is what counts. And for you, that's what matters too. Whatever it is you're facing, to have that perspective that it isn't the end of the world, it is not a crisis that will overcome you, but that you will overcome it with God and his strength. I hope you're encouraged today. Like Paul said, therefore we do not lose heart even though other things are happening. On the inside of us, we're being renewed day by day. This is why it's important to stick close to Jesus. We need the reminder to stick close to Jesus even if we've known him for a long time. Even if Peter, who walked with Jesus, still had doubts. It's okay. God still loved him and God still helped him even though he came to him with all of his mistakes, all of his baggage, all of his stuff. Same thing is true of us. We need that reminder. Stick close to Jesus. Don't forsake him. In the middle of this, don't forsake God because he has not forsaken you. That's what we need to hear and what we need to believe. We need to be convinced. I feel like there were people in this room a few minutes ago in that song, Jericho, that really, really became convinced that he's a strong God we got to do like the psalmist David we've got to focus in the right direction because our focus what we focus on determines where we're headed i'm gonna i'm gonna talk about Amy's driving skills for just a minute now on Valentine's Day of all times let me demonstrate for you let me demonstrate for you my wife's amazing driving skills Uh, No, when we first got married, uh, before that, when we first got together and um, actually she's thrown me out of the car. I don't know if she'd want you to know that, but she literally, this was in our dating relationship. She was like, ah, shut up and stop telling me how to drive. But I knew better how to drive. So I was trying to coach her. She just resists. But anyway, sometimes we'll be in the car. (laughs) I hope, I hope I can make this up later. Anyway, sometimes we'll be in the car, and she'll be driving, and she'll be talking. And when she's talking, she's looking at the person she's talking to, and we're having a conversation. So I will always remind her and say, Amy, you don't have to look at me, okay, babe? (laughs) Just keep your eyes on the road, because it scares me sometimes. (laughs) Because when she's driving that way, she's focused, and she starts to go this way. The same thing is true of our, some other people are saying, yes, that happens to me or happens to my spouse. I don't wanna get anybody in trouble on Valentine's Day. But the point is true that if we even just take it in that really small picture, what we focus on is where we start to head. So if I'm focused on fear and worry and anxiety and doubt and all of the things that could depress me, then I'll start feeling those things more intensely But the the power of God in me and the relationship that I have with Jesus, if I can focus in the right direction and start to say, you know what, God, you do love me. I am your son. You've always taken care of me. You've always fixed the things that I needed you to fix when I gave them to you. You've always healed me. You've always done good by me. He has then I all of a sudden know it's not fear that belongs in my heart. It's not anxiety that belongs in my heart. It's the peace of God that scripture calls the peace that passes understanding that'll make you look like a psycho in your office when you're laughing and just thinking, God, you're so good to me. That kind of peace can be yours and mine in the midst of our overwhelming circumstance. I gotta finish because I'm hungry and I know you are too. I want, you, I want you to think this morning. I, I want you to even right now begin thinking about what is applying to you in this message. I really want you to have your heart open to the Holy Spirit speaking to you directly. Maybe it's, maybe it's you're not facing an overwhelming circumstance. Maybe it's something else. Maybe it's that God wants to deal with another area of your life. Maybe he wants to help remind you of the overwhelming place you came from and how to help and be a light and a love to others. It could be any of those things, but let the Holy Spirit speak to you in the the last few minutes here. Paul, I love him, He's, he's almost psychotic in verse 17, just like me the other day. He says this, For our light affliction, which is but for a moment, is working for us a far more exceeding and eternal weight of glory. While we do not look at the things which are seen, but at the things which are not seen. For the things which are seen are temporary, but the things which are not seen are eternal. So perspective matters. He says, I can look at all this stuff, and I can have this attitude, and I can go in this direction, but I know that God is doing something else. While we do not look at the things which are seen, but at the things that are not seen. Maybe you need reminding this morning that the God who is unseen is the one who's made you, who created your life, who's destined your life, who's laid out the days of your life, who knew what roommate you'd have in college, who knew what relationship you'd have, who knew how many years you'd be married, who knew what job you'd be in. He knows it all. So don't you think we should go to the owner when we have questions about the manual or about how our life is going? We should consult that owner's manual, the the word of God. We could consult the owner himself and say, God, what would you have me do in this overwhelming circumstance? I hope you've understood me today to say that we have a choice and a decision to make in our life. Every circumstance we face, we are poised to make a decision Are we going to be overwhelmed or are we going to overcome? That is the question. And being overwhelmed, if if you're in that moment right now and you feel overwhelmed or you feel like you're close to a breaking point, there's nothing wrong with that. There really isn't. I am not trying to preach some peppy, positive message to just make you feel better when you go out of here and you still have the same bills and the same problems and the same issues. What I'm trying to do today is help you look to Jesus. To to have him help you in the midst of whatever true hardship that you may face. The truth is, if you walked in here with a crazy kid, you're walking out with a crazy kid. <laughs> if you had debt coming in, you have debt going out. If you've got these things, it doesn't get fixed right now. But here's the thing: God can help you fix it. God can fix it Himself. God can walk you through the steps that you need. The, the desire that we have is that we would fix it and fix it quick, just like our microwave McDonald's sort of DNA in, here in America, that we want it done, done now, that kind of thing. But the, the truth is, is being a good person doesn't absolve you from bad circumstances. Even having faith in God doesn't absolve you. But you having God in your circumstance helps you live life in a whole different dimension. Have you ever met somebody who's a worrier? You can raise your hand. I won't, I won't know if it's really you. Um, I know somebody who's a worrier. The Bible has something to say about that, and I want to close with this. In Matthew chapter 6, you don't have to go there, but you can at some point, or write it down and go there some, some other time. Jesus is talking. He's sharing words that are benefiting those present, and he's telling them, basically he's talking about worry. And he says, you know, what can you change in this life by worrying? Can you add an inch to your height? Can you add a dollar to your bank account? I'm paraphrasing, but this is his thought. You know, are you able to change anything in your circumstance simply by worrying or having anxiety about it? No. And then he goes on to give the encouragement that God cares about the birds of the air, even the ones that pooped on your windshield. (laughs) He cares about every single one of them. And he makes sure that they're fed. He, the flowers of the field, uh, they're, they're clothed. He makes sure that those things, because they're his, this is the understanding we've got to get. So he says, how much more valuable are you as his kid? If he'll take care of the house, he'll take care of the people who live in it, amen? And this is what he's saying. This is the point of perspective that we need, that God loves us. And he wants to be with us and walk with us throughout the hard circumstances or the overwhelming circumstances. So focusing on those things will lead us to fear, anxiety, worry, and even depression if we allow it to. But focusing on Christ, we can experience grace, mercy, forgiveness, peace, hope, joy. All of those things are available to us when we focus in the right direction. I want you to stand with me. If there's a truly hard circumstance that you're facing, I hope you've gotten some perspective this morning on it. I hope you're, you're experiencing the peace of God that passes understanding. But we wanna pray with you today. If there is something that you're facing or that you know you're about to face and you would like prayer, would you just step out of your seat right now and just come down here to the front? Come down here to the front and Amy and I will pray for you. We'd love the opportunity to just walk with you for a minute and pray that God would meet you where you are. If that's you, just step out right now. Don't be ashamed. Don't let pride keep you in your seat. If there's anything that's going on in your life and you need prayer for it, this is the place to do it, amen? Lord Jesus, I thank you for the opportunity we've had to be in your house today. I thank you, Lord Jesus, for the response in our hearts today to lean in on you, to ask you for help, God. Lord, I pray that you would help us today to walk out of here charged with hope, not with fear, charged with love and your love that love that will help us walk through anything walk through fire walk through hardship walk through the stuff that paul walked through and have the right perspective god remind us holy spirit that we are pressed but not crushed we've been persecuted maybe but we're not abandoned you haven't left us god so lord as we rejoice in that today i pray that you would help us lord because we don't know what tomorrow holds but you do god And Lord, I just pray that you would help us to walk it out with you in control, with you in the lead. God, I pray that you would help us not to worry and fret, but to trust you in a deeper way more and more every day. In the name of Jesus, I pray. Amen.